This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, May 26. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Macy's is doing better than expected in a tough environment for retail. We'll talk about that, go in-depth in our next segment. But right now, the latest measure of the U.S. economy is out today, along with the weekly tally of jobless claims. Let's see what they say. We're joined by Brian Westbury, chief economist with First Trust Advisors based in Wheaton. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Let's start with this uh, estimate of first quarter gross domestic product. It uh, declined 1.5%. Uh, that is worse than thought uh, than the initial estimate we saw a couple of weeks ago. How do we interpret this figure? Does this mean the economy contracted in the first quarter of 2022, or is this a year-over-year comparison? Hey, Rob, it's great to be with you. And, you know, you know, GDP is our gross domestic product. We get it by adding up a bunch of things. So consumption plus investment plus government spending. And then we have to remember exports. We produce something here and we export it. That's a positive for GDP. But if, if there's something produced in another country and we import it, we actually subtract that from GDP, and it's because we didn't produce it here. So, so the, one of the biggest negatives in the first quarter was our, was our uh, imports. We, we bought a lot more stuff from overseas, and that makes this kind of a statistical fluke. I hope that made sense, because if we add up consumption plus investment by businesses plus home building, the, the number is really positive 3.7%. So this is kind of a weird number. Uh, there are a lot of people saying, oh, no, there's a recession coming. And I don't believe that. I think as this year unfolds, we will see data that continues to be strong on consumption, on employment, and, and that uh, the, the market itself will start to realize we're not going to have a recession And I think that's one of the things that you're seeing today. We're going to rally because things aren't as bad as a lot of people thought. One uh, one more wonky number to throw on the pile of wonky numbers that have uh, mm-hmm. that have shown up since uh, March of 2020. On the jobless claims front, 210,000. That's a decline of 8,000 from last week when they ticked up just a little bit. It's a sign that it's a strong labor market, a tight labor market, and that uh, as the direct aid payments from the pandemic era kind of roll off the books, they're being replaced in many places by uh, salary increases. That's exactly right. And, you know, we have to remember that uh, we, we had an artificial boost in goods sales. In other words, 
uh, people were getting checks, uh, pandemic unemployment benefits, PPP loans, all of the things we did during the lockdowns. And but you couldn't use them for services. We didn't have sporting events, theaters, concerts, restaurants for them uh, were, were uh, either limited or fully closed. And now all of that is opening up. So I do expect this year that goods, uh, the, 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 the things we can hold, the sales of those will go down. But the services side of the economy is picking up. People are traveling more. One of the best-selling items at re- retailers is luggage. Uh, so so we're, we're, we're going to see a shift this year. But when you balance out goods and services, it's going to lead to overall growth in the economy this year. And then I don't believe we will have a recession. Brian Westbury, Chief Economist, First Trust Advisors in Wheaton. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, Macy's beats the street with its latest report. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Shares of Macy's are rising today on the strength of better-than-expected quarterly earnings. Let's take a closer look with Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors and formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us based in Vero Beach, Florida. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. When it comes to Macy's, I mean, Nordstrom had a really a better-than-expected report yesterday, and you could say, well, you know, the luxury uh, the luxury side of retail, uh, that's recession-proof or slowdown-proof or inflation proof. It's a market that's willing to spend. Uh, Walmart and Target are exposed to a more price sensitive market. Where does Macy's fit into this spectrum? And does that explain their performance? Uh, Well, it was encouraging to see better results out of Macy's, but I I don't think any of this has anything to do with the strength of the consumer. The consumer role is quite strong. But what we have to keep in mind is that many of these companies that are reporting numbers that are seen as good today, they're just beating low expectations. And they were the ones that were hammered during the pandemic. So, so for example, Walmart did very well during the pandemic. They've been up, their sales in the quarter just released are up 20% uh, compared to the same quarter in 2019 pre-pandemic. Target sales just reported were up 40% versus that same pre-pandemic quarter. Right? Amazon sales are up 80%. Right? Guess where Macy's are? They're down 3%. <laughs> so it went down really sharply during the pandemic and they're coming back against easy numbers. But people are so disappointed in their results for good reason that when they do do well, they go, OK, they're doing some good things. Look at that. And the memories are shockingly short. By the way, you could have bought Macy's stock in 1998 for the same price where it is today after this increase. And you could have held it from 1998 today. And guess what your game would have been? Nothing. That whole period goes up and down and up and down. It keeps saying, oh, it's going to get better. No, it doesn't. It gets bad again. Then it gets better and it gets bad. That's what's been going on for department stores in general, which are still on the losing end of the stick as far as retail uh, concepts are, are are concerned. So once you have all of the major retailers uh, reporting and you take a look at where a number of them are, as you mentioned, uh, versus the same quarter pre-pandemic, what is the overall kind of picture that's painted of the retail space? Well, it's very healthy right now. The consumer is very healthy. Some people made mistakes. I mean, Target's a great company. They made bad mistakes. They ordered way too much of the wrong merchandise, and the consumer shifted on them coming out of the pandemic into wanting different merchandise. So, you know, the consumer is always weak. 
when they don't want to buy what you're selling. But Target's going to fix that. Walmart will fix that. They're going to do great. Costco, we get the numbers at the end of the day today. I don't know how they did for this quarter, but I promise you they're a winner over the long term. So is TJ Maxx. So is so is uh, Amazon. Uh, Home Depot has done great throughout the entire period and did well in this quarter. So I think the consumer is strong. I can't warrant you that it'll last to the end of the year with all the pressure the Fed is putting on the on the economy for for their own reasons, the good reasons. But uh, but for now, things are actually pretty healthy. It's just that uh, that uh, consumers are are have the right to be picky and they're being picky. And they're, they're you know by the way on luxury, don't bet on it because if the stock market continues to go down, luxury is the most responsive to stock market performance of any segment. And so you could see a decline in that segment too, uh, as we go out uh, through the rest of the year, unless the stock market turns around like it is today. Gerald Storch, CEO of Storch Advisors and formerly vice chairman at Target and chairman and CEO of Toys R Us based in Vero Beach, Florida. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, the NFL is set to launch its own streaming service. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Reports indicate the NFL will launch its own streaming service starting in July. Let's learn more from Tom Lason, media analyst. You can find him in Seattle, Washington, and on Twitter at Tom Lason. Tom, thanks for joining us this afternoon. How will NFL Plus differ from the NFL network that's available on cable and from the NFL offerings on broadcast TV in the fall and winter? Yeah, they're starting to get to be a lot of them, aren't there? And um, the sports journal, sports business journal, has been doing a lot of the work on this. And NFL Plus, um, much to my surprise, in terms of reading about what's happening here, um, is going to be limited apparently to in-market games. And um, with that in mind, I'm kind of struggling with the value proposition really for people because of that. Uh, at first, I thought this was going to be Sunday ticket on the phone, and therefore all about gaming. Um, as you flip around from game to game and uh, check out your the status of your of your betting life on the phone, but um, I'm not so sure if that's the case if it's limited to in market games. So I think this is uh, dipping the proverbial toe into what the NFL has said is going to end up being a pretty robust direct to consumer streaming um, program within NFL media, and it also may prove some. Yeah, provide some insight into why it's only going to be $5 a month. And, um, so I, it's interesting. I mean, it sounds like at the moment, uh, this this is probably a test case. Um, it's designed to exist inside the patchwork of rights agreements that the NFL has uh, with the broadcast networks and with the uh, streaming services. And then once those rights agreements expire, this product will probably scale up. Yeah, the Verizon agreement just expired, which is why they're hitting this here, I think, with phones, iPads, and laptops. Um, And then it's interesting, too, that this is launching a year before new broadcast rights contracts come up. And those are going to be 11 seasons. And uh, some of the early analysts are talking about $110 billion in those rights. So how this fits into that, is this filling a niche is this something, like I said, they're dipping their toe into and getting started with? I'm not sure. They're going to add things like radio and podcasts and team content. But again, I'm not sure people are going to pay for, you know, the Shields PR machine to speak with them on their phone. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, progress with this. It's very hard to predict trends 11 years from now, but if you look at the upfront presentations from the broadcast TV networks just a couple of weeks ago, it's very obvious the NFL is keeping 
broadcast television alive uh, in some cases that these uh, the they're, they're such viewer magnets and streaming proof that uh, it's keeping TV in business. What's going to happen when the NFL takes all of this in-house? Um, you know, with $110 billion sitting there, um, I, I'm not sure that, that you can really make a strong business case for that because you're going to incur a lot of expenses that are associated with that. But I do think that, you know, people are growing weary of these transitional technologies for over-the-top viewing. There are too many subscriptions, too many devices, too many input changes, too much chasing content around different platforms that nobody can remember, let's face it. And what's interesting, as you mentioned on the broadcast side, is the NFL may be an exception to this, um, despite the fact that we're all suffering from this sort of growing fatigue on separate streaming services. Um, you know, they still aggregate a huge audience for big-time multi-camera live events, and that is right in the sweet spot for both the NFL and the broadcast networks. Um, so there's a lot going on here, and it's, like you said, trends are hard to look out 11 years and see what's going to be happening, but uh, it's certainly interesting. Tom Lason, media analyst in Seattle, Washington. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, an online platform that helps business executives learn about cryptocurrency. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's all-news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Questions are being asked about the police response to the elementary school shooting in Texas this week. While actor Ray Liotta died unexpectedly. Both stories next in a special report from CBS News. In Technology Thursday, we'll learn about a cryptocurrency education platform that promises business execs the opportunity to earn while they learn. And on the tech front, under Understanding the basics of the metaverse. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 569 points. The NASDAQ is up 317. The S&P 500 is up 84. 73 degrees right now at O'Hare under cloudy skies. 75 at Midway. 72 at the lakefront. It's 1231. CBS Special Report. We're learning more about the response to the school massacre in Texas. CBS's Janet Shamlian is there. There are new questions about the response to this after the the timeline indicates that the shooter may have been in that classroom as long as an hour before authorities broke into the room where he had barricaded himself and killed him. CBS's Lilia Luciano is also in Uvalde with more on the victims. Alexandria Anya Rubio's parents were at school earlier that same day to celebrate her. She was awarded that morning for being a good citizen. Her mom said on Facebook, we had no idea this was goodbye. And breaking Hollywood news today, actor Ray Liotta has died. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. 
Goodfellas was just one of the classics he starred in over the years. Sources say Leota died in his sleep in the Dominican Republic while shooting a new movie. He was 67. CBS News Special Report, I'm Monica Ricks. Hey, it's 1232 on the Noon Business Hour. This portion sponsored by Acunet Mortgage. Markets are rising. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, Smart Portfolios, based in San Diego. The website, macrotides.com. Jim, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Does this mean that uh, the market has managed to avoid uh, bear territory so far? It reached that technical bottom? Well, the emphasis, Rob, placed on, you know, if the market's down 20%, that's a bear market, you know, is just a joke. Uh, because by the time you're down 20%, you're feeling a lot of pain already. And other averages, like the NASDAQ 100 and the Russell 2000, were down closer to 30%. So, yeah, for those who believe in that, it's like, yippee, we avoided that. Technically, the market was set up for a rally. As I noted in Monday's weekly technical review, my expectation was that the S&P was poised to rally toward 4,100. And obviously, so far this week, that's what's taking place. And then uh, a week ago around this time, we were looking at uh, steep declines driven by uh, some reports from retailers. But this week, uh, we have a pretty rosy picture of, uh, of, of the consumer and his or her behavior based on reports from uh, not only uh, Nordstrom and Macy's, but uh, Dollar General, too, that uh, is even despite the fact they've raised a lot of prices above a dollar to uh, deal with inflation, uh, customers are still, they still need things and they buy things. Yes. And, you know, even in the Target and Walmart report, uh, you know, they were caught flat-footed, Rob, with a lot of furniture, major appliances. In other words, they stocked too much inventory in those categories. Consumers aren't buying them the way they were. A, home sales are down uh, over the last uh, six months or so. New home sales are down almost 30% over the last year. Plus, you know, people went on a buying spree. But the revenues for both Walmart and Target were up 3%. So you're 100% right. The consumer, and as I've noted, the consumer has more than $2 trillion worth of savings, which I believe was going to help us avoid going into a recession, certainly in 2022. And those other stores' results kind of just reaffirm that. And we've talked about some pandemic high flyers like Zoom and Peloton that got probably a decade's worth of growth in 2020 and 2021, and now they're paying the piper. Unfortunately, I mean, circumstances made them high flyers, and circumstances also brought them back to earth. But when it comes to some of the retailers that were selling big ticket items because customers had nothing better to do than renovate their homes... Uh, they're they're also dealing with the pains of this transition out of a pandemic economy and into a post-pandemic uh, arrangement. Yes, and in terms of the uh, retailers that were caught with too much inventory, let's think this through. There's a silver lining here, Rob. Because they have too much inventory, what are they likely to do in the next few months to get rid of that inventory? They're going to put sales on appliances, <laughs> okay? But from the Fed's perspective... This is one more little chink in terms of, okay, what did they want to see? They wanted to see growth slow, and they want to see inflation coming down. And the turn in inflation, you know, will come incrementally from different categories. So to me, we have to put that in that context, that in the next few months, I think the Fed will increase uh, the Fed funds rate 50 basis points in June and the July meeting. But as I discussed 
uh, in Monday's uh, weekly technical review, which also looks at fundamentals, I believe things are setting up for the Fed to downshift at the September meeting from a 50 basis point hike to uh, a 25 basis point hike. And if any listeners, since I think it was a good letter, and I think people would I'd be happy, Jim Welsh Macro at Gmail, I'll shoot you a copy of the Monday Technical Review uh, for being a faithful listener to, uh, to uh, this news program. Jim Welsh, Macro Strategist, Portfolio Manager, Smart Portfolios in San Diego, that website, macrotides.com. Coming up in Technology Thursday, a chance to earn while you learn about cryptocurrency. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Technology Thursday, and this afternoon we're focusing on a new education platform that helps business executives gain a better understanding of cryptocurrency. We welcome in Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and the co-founder of the Meta Academy in New York, the website Meta, M-E-T-A, Academy, C-A-D-E-M-Y dot com. Shelley, thanks for joining us this afternoon. You know, the cryptocurrency space has uh, really taken its lumps in the last uh, couple of weeks as the uh, uh, the specter of rising interest rates has brought a lot of uh, high flyers in tech uh, back to earth. What um, some might say, and that this this is like getting uh, energy trading tips from Ken Lay in 2002, uh, <laughs> is, is there a future for cryptocurrency, and is this something that uh, businesses want to continue to be associated with uh, just based on the losses we've seen in the last couple of weeks? It's really like looking at the Internet in the year 2000 from January to August. We lost $8 trillion of value off the NASDAQ. Uh, is the Internet not valuable? Was it not valuable? No. Wall Street had a bubble and people had overspeculated and people had overbought and it corrected itself. And I think we're in a situation now where the crypto markets are filled with all kinds of different uh, entrepreneurs and also opportunists. Uh, clearly, there was a bubble. Clearly, there's been a correction. It's also very interesting that cryptocurrency has started to track pretty reliably equities, you know, the Dow, the S&P, whereas NFTs, which are digital collectibles and actually uh, contracts, smart contracts that represent digital and physical collectibles, seems to have decoupled from the rest of the crypto marketplace. But all of this is just overlay on the underlying technology of of what people are calling web 3 although it's undefined at the moment this is this idea that both users and creators can share in the value they create and the technology that empowers that is blockchain cryptocurrency is a is a method of exchange a method of account and a method a method to store value inside this new paradigm but the new paradigm is here and that's what metacademy is about we're here to teach you to in a hands-on way blockchain crypto nft smart contracts the metaverse it's risk-free because we use test crypto you're not using real cryptocurrency you're using test crypto at metacademy.com and it's free so it doesn't cost you anything and you can't risk anything by by doing it um but you can learn an awful lot and to say that crypto is over is probably uh, a mistake to say that the world that we're in right now is anything like the world we're going to live in in call it 10 years, 20 years, would be what could you predict in 2000 about where the Internet would be now? Wall Street walked away from it, but there was no reason to. 
And from a from a business executive standpoint or from a standpoint of somebody who wants to learn about it and all you see in the world of cryptocurrency are apes and social media avatars with laser eyes and it seems uh, almost impenetrable to get inside this space, uh, it sounds like what you're doing is breaking it down and actually educating people in such a way, in a way they can actually understand it and not get scared away. We are trying to make this as accessible, as simple as humanly possible. We teach you to set up a MetaMask wallet, to fill it with test currency so that you're not at any risk. We teach you to understand the metadata behind NFTs and smart contracts, how to mint an NFT, how to mint a generative NFT like the board apes you're talking about, how to understand the tokenomics behind them, to understand what different types of cryptocurrencies there are and how you might use them, the difference between a stable coin, for instance, and a CBDC, which is a central bank digital currency. If you understood that, you'd know exactly what was going on with the crypto market right now, as best anyone can, because you'd have good understanding of the different types of crypto. All crypto is not Bitcoin, right? Uh, although all Bitcoin is crypto. So there's just we've tried to break this down as best we can, make it super simple, super accessible, free of charge because it needs to be, and also risk-free because no one wants to risk any real money, right? So you put in the time, We're gonna, and, and this is done in a fun way. It's done in what's known as an engage-to-earn model, which is – this sort of you learn as you, you earn uh, badges, you earn NFTs as you go along. And so we're kind of teaching how data is going to change and how the gathering of data is going to change from where we have these walled gardens now where Facebook and Google and Netflix and Amazon own all your data to a time when you would have self-sovereign identification. You would have an NFT that represents your data and you would be selling your data in quotes to the people who use it, not the other way around. And so this is the beginning of Web3, and it's not yet defined, but we're trying to define it. And the best way to do that is to get every executive, actually everybody, to just learn. So Metacademy is about learning. And Metacademy.com is, like I said, it's a super simple, super free place to go and just explore. Uh, you can't get hurt. You can't do anything wrong. There's no buttons to press that are going to make any mistakes. It's just it's just a good solid education that we're going to update every single day it's based on my best-selling book about blockchain which you know is a book so it can't be updated every day but the website is updated constantly so it is exactly the information that is relevant and real and it's literally updated daily and shelly i'm going to keep you right here and we'll continue this conversation the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Tech Thursday continues in the Noon Business Hour. In this segment, we're learning about virtual and augmented reality. We continue our conversation with Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group and co-founder of the Metacademy based in New York, the website metacademy.com. Shelley, thanks for sticking with us. When talking about the metaverse, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg and the former Facebook have made a big bet on you having a virtual self and then living in inside this augmented reality universe. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind immediately is the setup for the movie Ready Player One. Uh, mm -hmm. How much does the metaverse uh, that's being developed today uh, bear a resemblance to the uh, virtual universe portrayed in that movie? So that's Hollywood. And we are living in a world where we have web browsers and we have certain technological limitations. So Ready Player One would require about a thousand times more computational power and about $2 trillion worth of network infrastructure that does not exist at the moment in the United States alone. Um, 
a cartoon universe with cartoon people running around, yeah, that's a metaverse. We know what they look like. It started in 2003 with Second Life. We've seen uh, tremendous success in places like Roblox, The Sandbox, Decentraland, Fortnite. There are plenty of cartoon universes with cartoon avatars running around. Um, Facebook is thinking about this in a little different way. They are thinking that you're going to go to meetings and you're going to do certain things in the metaverse that you, you know, would normally do in real life. Um, Microsoft, if that were the future, probably is in a better position than Facebook or Meta because they've got HoloLens, they've got Microsoft Teams, they've got Microsoft Office, and they also own Xbox, and they have a lot of game studios and deeply understand gameplay and and, um, two- and three-dimensional animation in a way that Facebook certainly doesn't. But, you know, Facebook, to its credit, they have Oculus Quest 2, which was the number one uh, best-selling gift virtual reality headset this uh, past Christmas season. So Facebook's not exactly out of it. What we're expecting to have happen is evolution, not revolution. We're going to see hardware start to come online from Apple, from Facebook, and those guys are going to fight fiercely uh, because Apple is a hardware company that overcharges for hardware, talks about security, and uh, they really, really try to keep you in their ecosystem. Facebook is now pushing their their end-to-end encryption, and they're saying, you know, we'll keep you safe too, and we're going to have a metaverse, and Apple's going to have an, an augmented reality universe. There's a lot of different big tech companies with different visions of the future, and we as consumers are going to have to sit back and wait. And as a business person or as an investor, you're going to have to spread your bets pretty evenly across this idea of data sovereignty, of avatars, of virtual worlds, of augmented worlds, meaning that you're in the regular world, but you're wearing a headset or you're using your handset and you're seeing additional data, maybe a heads-up real-time streaming data display that's enhancing or augmenting your experience. All of these things are happening concurrently. Which one's going to win? Wow. Consumers will vote with their wallets. They always do. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, based in New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.